stand for the reading of the word here. And we're just going to read one verse of scripture. Luke 17, we're going to read verse number, well, you know what? Let's go to verse number five. We're going to read two verses of scripture. Let's, I want to start at verse five. Amen. Luke 17, starting at verse number five. There it is. If you don't have a Bible, it's up on the screen. Wonderful, wonderful singing. And it goes right along with what I'm preaching this morning. So I know we're in the will of God here. Luke 17, verse number five. And it says, and the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. I want to preach just for a moment on the principle of the mustard seed. The principle of the mustard seed. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your sweet spirit that is in this place. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will move upon every heart. Help us, Lord God, right now because this is your church. These are your people. We are your sheep and I am your vessel. Help me, Lord God, to speak every word that is intended. I pray that my flesh will not get in the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. If you're ready to receive God's word, clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I have been saying that this is the year of acceleration, that last year was a year of preparation, and 2023 will be the year of acceleration. And I have made this statement, in order for you to accelerate, we must learn how to apply. That application is the key to acceleration. That we must be able to apply what we already know to do. Many of us are wanting to go deeper in Christ, and I want you to go deeper in him. Many of you are wanting to go higher in him, and I want you to go higher in him. But you must learn how to apply what you already know to do. Don't expect greater revelation if you're not applying what God has already given unto you. So what revelation you do have, just apply the revelation you do have, and I promise you God will then give you more. Because the word says if you're faithful over a few things, God will make you ruler over many. Many of us want the many things, but we're not being faithful with the few. So we must learn that if we know to pray every day, then pray every day if you know to do that. If you know to read your word every day, then read your word every day if you know to do that. If you know to give God glory every day, that means every day you wake up, you begin to give God praise for one more day, then give God praise for one more day. Just do that. And I promise you, if you just apply the things that you already know to do, God will increase you every single day. So I believe in teaching kingdom principles. Kingdom principles will give you kingdom results. If you want kingdom results, you must apply kingdom principles. You cannot apply principles of this world and expect kingdom principles. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the, the principles of this world will yield you the results of this world. But if you want the results of the kingdom of God, then we must apply kingdom principles. So I've been teaching on this kingdom lift. Why have I been teaching on that? Because I believe that when you are in the kingdom of God, that you will be better than you were when you were not in the kingdom of God. I don't find anybody in scripture that came into the kingdom of God and then begin to apply kingdom principles where they were worse off than when they came into the kingdom of God. Everyone that touched Jesus left better than when they were before. And I'm telling you, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So therefore, if you have a desire to touch Jesus this morning, someone say today. If you have a desire to touch him today, I promise you, you will leave here better today than what you walked in here. And so I believe in applying kingdom principles. And I believe another kingdom principle that we must apply today is the principle of the mustard seed. So we must understand what Jesus is speaking about here. When he teaches us about the mustard seed, we must learn what that principle is. And then once we learn it, we must apply it. So I believe that God is moving in this day with many miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm not saying that it's coming. I'm saying that it is here already, that there are miracles, signs, and wonders that are happening in our day today. I'm very grateful for the testimony that we heard from our dear brother Hayden and his beautiful wife concerning their son Lexington, because if God can do it for them, then that gives me faith that he can do it for me. Hallelujah. That's why when one rejoice, we all should rejoice. When God begins to do things for one person, you shouldn't sit there with your arms folded and your legs crossed upset because God is not doing it for you. I believe that when God is doing it for somebody else, you ought to leap to your feet, magnify the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus. Because if you do it for one person, I believe that you can do it for me. Amen. I, I truly believe that. Please do not turn me up in the house, but if you could please turn me up in my monitors up here, that would really help me out. And so it is so important to rejoice when other people do rejoice. And I believe that God is working and moving in this day. God uses miracles and wonders for many reasons, but here is why he uses them in this day. He uses miracles and wonders to bring people out of their current situation. He also uses miracles and wonders to bring people out of bondage. He also uses miracles and wonders to bring people into revelation. So I want you to remember those things is to bring you out of your current situation, to bring you out of bondage, and to also bring revelation. There are many examples, but God performed great wonders to bring his people out of Egypt. We must remember that when God was dealing with Moses and when Moses was wandering in the wilderness, the backside of the desert, if you will, and he was taking care of his Jethro, his father-in-law, Jethro's flock. The Bible says that 
Moses was led and he led his flock into the backside of the desert and then that's when he began to see the bush that was on fire but it was not consumed so he led his flock there but God was actually leading Moses to where he wanted him to be so that he can have a conversation with him many of us may not understand why we are where we are but oftentimes God would lead us exactly where he wants you to be just so he can grab your attention uh, and so now he has Moses' attention and we know the conversation you've heard it since you were a child you've seen movies on it where Moses is looking at this burning bush and God begins to speak to Moses out of this burning bush and they begin to have this conversation and how God wants to now send Moses back to Egypt because God has heard the cry of his people and now it's time for his people to come out of bondage but he wants to use Moses as the instrument in order to bring them out of bondage what's interesting here is that God gave Moses clear understanding on how this process was going to work it is said here in Exodus chapter number three starting at verse number 19 he says and I am sure that the king of Egypt God speaking here will not let you go no not by a mighty hand so God instructed Moses and told him that Egypt or excuse me Pharaoh the king of Egypt is not going to let you go even if it was by a mighty hand so that lets us know every time Pharaoh said no it should not have been a shock to Moses each time he said no I'm not letting them go it should not have been a shock to Moses because God has already told him he's not going to let them go even by a mighty hand but then the scripture continues on in verse number 20 and God says and I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders I love this because it lets us know that a mighty hand meaning the man, the hand excuse me of man Egypt or Pharaoh will not let the people go but when God puts his hand to work this is when God is going to show his wonders and they're going to allow the people to escape out of Egypt this is a principle here this lets us know that we ought to take our hands out of situations and let the wonder working hand of God into our situation because when you allow God into your situation that's when great wonders can take place and that's when God can bring you out with a mighty hand here's the wonderful thing though it doesn't stop there God says a mighty hand won't bring them out but my hand will bring them out and when my hand brings them out let's go to verse number 21 it says and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians and it shall come to pass that when you go you shall not go empty but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her son that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters and you shall spoil the Egyptians see this is a principle here that when we allow God into our situation you won't just be blessed but there will be generational blessings 
<laughs> he says, not only will you have enough, but you're going to have enough for your children as well. You're going to take more than what you need because when God allows, when you allow God into your situation, you will have stuff now that didn't even belong to you. But God says, it's yours now because I'm giving it to you. So today we need to walk out of here with our hands out of the situation and allow the wonder working hand of God into our situation because you won't just only be blessed but your children will be blessed and you will have things that didn't even belong to you in the first place anybody like a blessing from God that didn't even belong to you but God gave it to you anyway I didn't even deserve it, but God gave it to me anyway. See, that's what happens when you allow the wonder-working hand of God into your situation. Somebody ought to take 30 seconds, clap your hands, lift your voice, begin to praise an almighty God. Amen. So that's, a, that's the first principle I want to teach here today. Uh, and now here's the thing. Remember, the wonder-working hand of God, miracles, signs, and wonders are for many things. To bring us out of bondage, to bring us out of our current situation. What's the last thing? To bring us revelation. So now as we fast forward, Moses has brought them out of Egypt. Here they are. They've been wandering in the wilderness for all these 40 years. I want to make a point here. This isn't in my notes, but this just hit me right here. This is interesting how the people of God were so disappointed disobedient, uh, even arrogant if you will, uh, but they were so disobedient and, and, and lacked trust in God so much that they caused themselves to wander in the wilderness. It was not God's intention for them to wander for 40 years. Matter of fact, if you do study from where they were to the Canaan land that was promised to them, it says that it would take less than a week, they said. Less than a week in order to get to Canaan land. So in seven days or less, they would have had their promise. But because of their unbelief, because of their disbelief, because of all their pagan worship, all the things that they did, it caused them to wonder and also die out in the wilderness. But here's the interesting thing. When you understand your Bible and read the word, even though they were disobedient, the Bible says the same shoes that they had on never wore out. So even in our disobedience, God still... God. Even in our disobedience, God still takes care of us. I'm thankful for the grace of God. You may not get excited about that, but even in my disobedience, God still took care of me. Even in my ignorance, God still looked out for me. Hallelujah. Uh, let, let, let me get back here. Let me get back to what I'm preaching. So, so now we understand that uh, they led him across, and, and, and now, now Moses has died. Now Joshua has stepped on the scene, and he led him across the Jordan River. But before he led him across the Jordan River, or excuse me, after they came across the Jordan River, getting ready to go into their promised land, remember that the miracles and wonders will also bring revelation. So let's go to Joshua chapter number two now, starting at verse number one. The scripture says, and Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out to Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot house named Rahab and lodged there. Now, let's drop down to verse number nine. Look at what she said. And she said unto the men, I know. <laughs> I know that the Lord have given you the land. 
and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you for we have heard we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Now, wait a minute now. God just dried up the Jordan. She didn't say the Jordan River because that's what they just crossed. She said, we heard that the Lord dried up the Red Sea. You've got to understand something. God dried up the Red Sea over 40 years ago. He just dried up the Jordan just a couple days ago, and she's talking about, we heard about what God did for y'all over 40 years ago. Rahab wasn't even 40 years old. How does she hear about the Red Sea being dried up? Because miracles, signs, and wonders are for revelation. And even when you don't get excited about it, the devil hears about it. Uh, you're not hearing me right now when Hayden stood up here and said I'm not trusting in the doctor but I believe in the report of the Lord I'm going to trust in the report of the Lord I'm telling you the enemy hears about that you don't have to get excited about it but the enemy hears uh-huh yeah and see, even when the church isn't talking about it, the world is talking about it. The world is saying, did you hear what happened? Did you hear? That means, that tells me that their parents had to tell them. She wasn't even 40 years old. How can she refer to something that was 40 years ago she wasn't alive yet? That means her parents, her grandparents had to tell her, hey, there is a people that are coming. God is with them. They are drying up seas. Egyptians are drowning in the water. It is amazing the wonders that are taking place. So no doubt they probably heard about the plagues too. We've heard about you. We know that this land belongs to you. Because miracles, signs, and wonders are for revelation and when God does a miracle in your life it's only to reveal to you how great he is and how much he loves you it also brings about revelation so that your friends and family can tell somebody else and know that if God can do it for one person he can also do it for me you know there are people in this world that still do not believe that God is a healer you know that there are people in this world that that still believe that God does not deliver and if you don't tell somebody what God has done in your life how will they know because they don't read the scripture they don't trust in the word they don't believe in this they believe it was only written by man but not the fingerprint of God so if you don't tell about what God has done in your life how will they know that's why the enemy wants to shut your mouth that's why he wants you to keep your mouth shut because he knows we are made overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony so even when I don't know what to say I can just testify about how the Lord has brought me out even when I don't know what to do I can just testify this is what the Lord has done for me and your testimony can be somebody else's deliverance. I said your testimony can be somebody else's deliverance. So miracle signs and wonders were shown all throughout the Old Testament dealing with Moses and Joshua. When Jesus arrived on the scene, miracle signs and wonders, they followed him. And then Jesus gave us a promise to the New Testament church. Let's look at Mark chapter number 16, starting at verse number 17. Jesus said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. 
In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. Take up, as I've taught here for many years, means tread upon, not picking up snakes. To tread upon because the serpent belongs under your feet. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover now let's go back to verse number 17 let's look at all the promises that the lord says here and these signs shall follow them that someone say believe in my name shall they cast out devils they shall speak with tongues look how often he uses the word they and shall or shall not verse number 18 says they shall then it says if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them it says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover these signs will follow them if they apply two components the two components are you must first believe and then you must also apply the name you have to believe and then you have to use the name you must believe it and then you must use the name if you believe and you use the name then these things will follow those that believe but you also have to believe in the name so that's why it's important my friend you can't just only believe but then you must apply the name you must apply the name that you believe in that's why we lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus Christ that's why we pray over our food in the name of Jesus Christ that's why when we drive to work we believe in the name of Jesus Christ that's why when we baptize we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ it is important to believe and apply the name and when you do these things these signs shall follow them that believe see people think that because we love him he will heal us that's not true in all cases just because we say we love him that doesn't mean he's going to bring healing that doesn't believe uh that that doesn't mean that great miracles are going to happen just because we say we love him that's not true in all cases i sell i tell people all the time especially when i was in a corporate world i used to say don't confuse movement with progress See, many of us are running in place and we think we're going somewhere. You're not going anywhere. You're just running in the exact same place. You cannot confuse movement with progress. And so it's important that we apply principles because when we apply principles, it is the kingdom principles that will bring about kingdom results. Look at what Moses said. Look at what Moses said. Let's go to Leviticus chapter number nine, verse number six. Here's a principle here that you need to understand. Look at this very closely. The Bible says, and Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded that you should do. This is the thing which the Lord commanded that you should do. Then he goes on to say, and the glory of the Lord shall appear unto you. So in other words, if you do these things, then my glory shall appear. If you want the glory of the Lord to appear or to be made manifest in your life, then there are some things you must do. There is some progression that must be made. 
He's not just going to show up in all cases just because we say we love him. We understand that love is an action word and we display our love by our actions. So how does the kingdom principle of the mustard seed work? Let's go to Mark chapter number four, starting at verse number 30. The scripture says, and he said, whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Jesus speaking here, or with what comparison shall we compare it? How can we compare the kingdom of God? What shall we use in comparison to the kingdom of God? Verse number 31, Jesus says, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, what happens? It groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. So this is how the Lord is saying the kingdom of God is like this. And he likens it unto a mustard seed. So he's trying to teach us a kingdom principle. Now the seed is the promise or the seed is the word. So if you view the seed as a promise or view the seed as a word, then you must do something with that word or with that promise in order for that word to grow. And we must understand that the word is the logos. The seed is the logos word, but we must do something with that word in order for there to be increase. So if you look at this principle, even from a farming technique, the farmer must open up the ground. We must open up our hearts. And then the farmer plants the seed in the ground. We must receive God's word in our heart. But once he puts the seed in the ground, he has to take care of that seed by watering that seed. The rain must come in order to water that seed. Now, what is our rain? Our rain is the Holy Spirit. We must allow the Spirit of God to water the word that is in us in order for there to be increase. The water must come down or the spirit must come down. Well, how do we get the spirit to come down in order to water our ground so that the seed can produce a harvest? Well, I heard someone say when praises go up, blessings come down. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So we must learn how to take what God has given unto us and then apply the spirit or apply praise to what God has given unto us and begin to acknowledge him believing that that seed is going to bring forth fruit but if we never open up our hearts and allow the word to get deep down in our heart then nothing will be produced that's why the scripture says the day you hear my voice what harden not your heart because if you harden his heart the seed cannot get down where it needs to get to and therefore you will have no reaping season and many of us are frustrated because there's been no reaping season. And I'm telling you, it's your heart that is hardened. Because God is always speaking. He's always trying to plant a word in you, but we must open up our heart. I hope you came in here with that prayer today. Lord, open up my heart. 
There are many Bible studies that I do with individuals, and even though I can be reading the word to them, they have their heart closed, it's shut off. Why? Because of tradition, because of religion, because of what other people have told them, or some interpretation of the word. And that's why when I do Bible studies with people, I tell them, you got to come here with an open heart. You have to come and approach a Bible study with an open heart. It doesn't matter what you've been taught or what somebody has told you. Let's see what the word is saying unto you. And if that word is talking to you, then you must receive it with an open heart. Because when you have an open heart and when you allow the praise to take place, that's when the process begins. What process, preacher, are you talking about? That's when the logos word becomes the rhema word. That means the written word becomes action. See, now you have to take what is written, the Logos word. Now it has to become the Rhema word. Now you have to take what is written and now it must become action. That means what you receive, now you have to put action to it. Now what you have received and believed and what the word is saying unto you, now I'm going to put action to it. That's why oftentimes when I receive a word from God, I begin to lift my hands and lift my voice. Not because it's already done, but because I believe that when I put action to it, that God is going to allow the spirit to reign upon the seed that is now planted into ground and that seed will bring forth a harvest so if you have a hard time clapping your hands if you have a hard time shouting hallelujah if you have a hard time saying thank you Jesus then you're going to have a hard time to reproduce what God is trying to get out of you but if you don't mind lifting your hands and lifting your voice I'm not talking about just inside the four walls I'm talking about at home as well because God can speak to you here he can speak to you at home it doesn't matter where God speaks to you I've got to learn how to clap my hands and lift my voice and allow the process to happen mm -hmm. yeah. the plan of God becomes the action or the activity of God that's why God told Jeremiah for I know the thoughts that I think towards you say of the Lord the thoughts of peace not of evil to give you an expected end God knows exactly the harvest that he wants to give you but your harvest is waiting on your voice see you've been waiting on God for your harvest and God is saying I've already planted the seed it's already in you now I'm waiting on the watering of the seed and the watering comes from your activity it comes from your voice it comes from your movement because if the farmer doesn't take care of the ground where he put the seed nothing would ever come up he can't just throw a bunch of seed in the ground and say alright let's see what happens if that's the case I would have been a farmer a long time ago But it's, you have to work the ground. You have to till the ground. You have to prep the ground. Matter of fact, he's got to prep the ground even before the seed gets in the ground. He takes months prepping the ground, fertilizing the ground, making sure it's ready to receive the seed. Then once the ground is ready to receive the seed, then the seed can be planted. But he can't just walk away hoping that something comes out the ground. Now he's got to make sure it's taken care of, it's watered, and we need to make sure what has been put in us. I'm trying to help somebody here today because this is the principle of the mustard seed. What's in you was to come out of you, and it's going to be greater than what you can imagine. But it must be watered. It must be taken care of. Can I go just a little bit deeper here? Okay, the plant that was once the seed, it begins to push through the soil. But the soil is representative of our flesh. Right. See, you can plan to fast, but you must learn how to push through the soil or push through your flesh. 
You can plan to read your Bible every day, but you must learn how to push through the soil or push through your flesh. You can plan to worship, but you must learn how to push through the soil or push through your flesh. That's why I teach in this church that we are not a culture church. We're not a culture church. We're a kingdom church because the culture teaches you that you can go to a Purdue football game at crazy, wild, jump up and down, holler and scream. But when you come to church, you sit, be quiet, cross your arms. That's what culture teaches you. The culture teaches you not to shout, not to dance, not to shout hallelujah, not to clap your hands, all the things that the scripture teaches us to do. But the culture says be loud for the world for a ball game, but be quiet for Jesus. But we're not a culture church. And if you want this to be a culture church, you're in the wrong church because we're going to be a kingdom church. And the Bible says, clap your hands, O ye people. The Bible says, shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. The Bible. Some of you are getting it, but we're not going to be a culture church. The culture says, sit down, be quiet, sing kumbaya, go home, never change. But the Bible says, enter into my gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the kingdom church should be about. And if you're a part of the kingdom, then you must learn how to respond the kingdom way. Because these are kingdom principles. And if you apply kingdom principles, you'll get kingdom results. That's it. I sure hope you're with me. I, I, I'm, I'm going to take my time. I hope y'all not. I'm going to take my time this morning. Because, because what I'm teaching, you must learn how to apply it. I, and I want you to understand something, that your pastor here is trying to get you to apply it seven days a week. I'm not trying to get you all emotional on a Sunday and then you become depressed on a Monday. What's the point in that? We serve a God that is too good. He's too great. I'm sorry. My God can bring you out of depression. He can bring you out of anxiety. I said my God can. I don't know if you serve the same God I do, but my God can do these things. My can God lift you up. I don't care how defeated you are. God can pull you out. The Bible says his ear is not too heavy, neither his arm too short. That's what my God can do. Because he's done it for others, and I know he can do it for you. So don't you sit here thinking that God can't do it for you. I'm telling you, he's probably done it to somebody not far from you. The Bible says we're surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses. Hallelujah. You just don't know who you're sitting by. I want you to know you're sitting by people that used to be in drugs for years, but now God has brought them out. You're sitting by people that used to smoke cigarettes and marijuana for years, and now God has brought them out. You're sitting by people that would cuss every four words they say, but now God has cleaned their mouth. You're sitting by people that used to be addicted to pornography, but now God has pulled them out. You're sitting by people where relationships was broken. Husbands and wives were split up, but now God has brought them back together. That's the type of God that we serve. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Hallelujah. That's why the written word, please, 
Please be seated. I didn't mean to wake everybody up at one time. That's why the written word must become rhema. Rhema is action. The written word must become action in you. If you just allow the written word to remain written and not action. Man, there's so much coming to my mind. The letter killeth, but the spirit gives what? The written must be rhema. The Logos, what you have received, now you put action into it. That's why it doesn't take much for me to magnify the Lord. I just need one word. Has anybody approached the Lord that way? Lord, if you can just give me one word. I don't need a whole sentence. I don't need a whole paragraph. I, 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 don't, I just need one word. Why do you need that one word? Because that one word I can hold on to. That one word I can plant down in my spirit. That one word I'm going to receive in my heart. And then when you receive that one word, now you got to put action behind that one word. I don't mean to keep bringing up Purdue football, but let's just bring up Purdue football. Because when you go to one of their games, which I think the season is over. Yes, it is. Basketball season now. Amen. Praise God. God's sport. So when you, when, you, when you go to one of their games, if they score one touchdown, anybody ever been? Lights are going off. Are jumping, cheering. I mean, that's what it, that's what it is. It sounds something like that. I mean, the score is seven to zero, first quarter. Okay, they are going nuts over one touchdown. The victory hasn't even been won yet. I'm gonna let that sink in right there. One touchdown to score. And you would think the game is over. And you mean children of God, when you receive one word, you're not going to go crazy for the Lord. Just one small victory. We got to learn how to praise him for the small victories. I know the battle isn't won, but I thank God for where I am today. I'm going to give him glory for where I am right now. I know the battle isn't won, but I'm giving him praise for the small victory. I wonder if I can get 25 people to leap to your feet, clap your hands, and praise. Praise him for the small victory. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. I know I'm not where I should be, but I'm so glad I'm not where I used to be. I'm going to praise him for the small victory. I know you may have messed up sometime this week, but I'm not messing up like how I used to mess up. I'm thanking him for the small victories. I know God is still pulling on me and working on me, but I'm going to show a lot long way where, where I used to be. I don't cuss like I used to cuss. I don't think how I used to think. I don't walk how I used to walk. Woo! I'm going to praise him for the small victories. Come on, husband and wife. Things may not be perfect in your life, but praise him for the small victories. You may be still waiting on your surgery, but thank you for the small victories. Hallelujah. Amen. 
praise him, praise him. I heard someone say, if you can't tell it, let me tell it. What the Lord has done for me. If you don't want to praise him, I'm going to praise him. And I'm going to praise him as if it's already done. Some of you missed that right there. Purdue praises him as if the game is already won. It's just one touchdown. If God is moving me just one step, I'm going to praise him like it's already done. Because I believe he'll take me one step. He'll take me two steps. And I believe he'll take me all the way to the finish line. Somebody needs to praise him like it's already done. I said praise him like it's already done. You've already achieved it. It's already yours. Clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. Come on, lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I, I feel God in here, but, but, but there's one more principle. There's one more pr praise him come. I want people to think I'm, I'm getting ready to be done. Be seated. There's another principle that, that I want you to leave out of here with. Okay. See, see, when you praise him like that, as they're coming, when you praise him like that, what you're doing is you're praising him for the progress. Make it plain. You're celebrating progress. You do that. You do that with your children, right? You can have some kids that do well in school. Some it take them a little while, and the one that does well, they bring home that A. They're excited. You celebrate that. But the one that brought home the C plus, and you know that's the best thing he can do, you celebrate that progress. So why don't you do yourself that way? Celebrate your progress. My God. So stop beating yourself up if you still have a foul mouth. You still cuss every once in a while. But you know, you used to cuss every three words. Celebrate your progress. And you ask God to help you to clean that up. Used to smoke three packs a day. Now you're down to one pack. Celebrate that progress. And ask God to take it right out of your mouth. Because you, you better believe he'll take the taste right out of your mouth. If you want it, it can happen. You got witnesses around here. Folks that used to smoke pack after pack. And all of a sudden they can't even stand the smell of smoke. But celebrate your progress and stop beating yourself up. Stop allowing the enemy to beat you up because of the things that you're doing that you told God you would not do. Celebrate your progress. Be thankful for what God is doing to you right now. Celebrate it. Be excited about it. That's the principle of the mustard seed. He said it's so small. It's so small. Small a seed. But when that thing comes up out that ground. Hallelujah. When it comes out, that little, little plant come on out. Those doesn't look like it's going to amount to anything. But you give it time. It's the greatest tree. The Bible says where fowls of the air lodge in it. Because when you thank God for the progress and you believe God for your mustard seed miracle, there are going to be people coming to you saying, how in the world did you get to where you are? Ooh, hallelujah. How did you do this? What, 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 what? And then you can say there's a God in heaven. You've got to know who I know. 
He's the one that's helped me. He's the one that's brought me out. Luke 17, our opening text. Back to verse number five. Some up on the screen here. We're going to go home with this principle. Last principle. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. But look at what Jesus says back to them. Look very closely. He said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say unto this sycamine tree, be plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it'll obey you. Notice Jesus did not reply back with faith being increased granted unto them. They thought they needed more faith. Jesus says, I just want you to take the faith you do have and apply that. Oh boy. Lord, increase my faith so that I can, so that I will receive, so that I can go. God is saying, no, you don't need increase. You need just to take what you got. You already have enough faith. You think you don't have enough faith, but what you have is enough. And you need to take what you have and apply it. I want you to notice that the scripture says, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, please put that scripture right back up there, as a grain of mustard seed. It doesn't say the size of a mustard seed. I, I want this church to get this because there are songs that y'all sing and it says, have faith the size of a mustard seed. It's in your lyrics. But the scripture doesn't say that. It doesn't say have faith the size of a mustard seed. It says have faith as a grain. And so when you have something as something, that means you take on the characteristics of it. He's not talking about have faith, just this much faith. All I need is just a little faith. As a, as the size of a mustard seed, no. The scripture says, no, I need you to take on the characteristics of that mustard seed. Hallelujah. Uh, are you catching the principle here? I need you to have mustard seed characteristics because the mustard seed is the only seed that does not cross-pollinate. It is the only seed that does not cross-pollinate. What are you trying to teach us, preacher? This is what I'm saying, is that when you put a mustard seed in the ground, if you put other seeds around it, it will not cross-pollinate. If you put random apple and orange seeds and things of that nature in the ground, there's no telling what can come up on that tree. But if you put a mustard seed in that ground, the only thing that will come up is what was put into the ground, and that is that mustard seed. So if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, whatever God has put into you, don't allow for any cross-pollination. Yeah. 
That means it doesn't matter what the devil tells you. It doesn't matter what the enemy tells you. It doesn't matter what somebody in your family tells you. If God says I'm coming out, that means I'm coming out. If God says I'm delivered, that means I'm delivered. If God says I'm healed, that means I'm healed. If God says he's going to set me free, that means I'm set free. If God says he's going to perform miracles, signs, and wonders, that means miracles, signs, and wonders are going to happen. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. So stop allowing for cross-pollination. Stop allowing the devil to tell you that you're going to be bound forever when Jesus says, I've come to set you free. Stop saying you're going to stay in sin forever when the Bible says who the son that set free is free indeed. Stop allowing the devil to keep you in your past. You're allowing for cross-pollination, but let the Lord work on your heart and let that seed that has been planted in you come forth. I said, let it come forth. Oh, I feel a praise about to break off in here. I said, let it come forth. Has anybody been given a seed? Has anything been planted in your life? If there's anything that's been put in you, come on, stand to your feet. Lift your hands and lift your voice. Let the Holy Spirit begin to minister right now. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your voice unto the Lord. Because I believe miracles, signs, and wonders are about to take place. In 